Genesis chapter 37. I was actually debating whether we should go straight to Potluck. But I said, no, I'm going to have my turn too. <laughs> so, here we go. Joseph, and the way he has shared his God-given dreams to his brothers has brought about hatred from them. As believers, we have to be careful how we share the things of God. God has revealed things to you. You've got to be a little careful how you share those things because it can cause people to hate us. And that should never be. Um, we should never be purposely offending unbelievers. Uh, part of the counseling uh, teaching that goes forth is we're to never show surprise or gasp when uh, someone speaks of their evil behavior or some of the deeds they have done. Uh, and we're never to say things like, you did what? <laughs> you know, and then fall out of your chair in, in disbelief. Uh, when I first became a pastor, I had a marriaging counseling session going. And the wife in this marriage, she felt that it was her obligation to go through the sordid unfaithfulness that she had been to her husband. And she, she kind of blew right through my words of, uh, you don't have to get into all that detail, or it's not necessary to go into that. But she went into that. And I'm thinking, sitting there thinking along with her husband, why is she sharing all of these sordid details? But Joseph has sort of done that with his brothers. He has gone into great detail about how they would bow down to him. That offends them. And as a result of that, they hate him. And we looked at last, last week at how Jesus shared with the lawyer about how to love your neighbor. And their excuse, those that studied the law, was... Who is my neighbor? And they would avoid loving their neighbor because they could never define who their neighbor was. And we can be very offensive as Christians by taking a self-righteous attitude. Uh, even with some of our closest relatives whom we speak you know, real plain to, they can get offended at us as Christians. When Lori and I were in singles ministry in Modesto, California, uh, there was a young college girl there, and she painted scriptures all over her car. And they were condemning scriptures, and they were all over her vehicle. And she wondered why she was being harassed at school by the other students. And I, and I said, well, maybe it's your car and what you've got painted on your car. <laughs> but, you know, we have to take an example of our Lord. And it's not Christ-like to be condemning. We are not the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we want to be. But we're not the Holy Spirit. And when the woman that was caught in adultery, when she was brought before Jesus, uh, Jesus simply said, neither do I condemn you. Now, he had every right 
to condemn her. But he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. But Joseph, he shared his dreams, and now his brothers, they resent him and they hate him. So let's pick it up in Genesis 37, verse 12, and we'll go through the end of the chapter. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flocks in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. And then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent them out to the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And he said, and the man said to him, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. And then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and he said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might, be deliv that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. And then they took him and cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal, and then they lifted their eyes and looked. There was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brother, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother in our flesh, and his brothers listen. Then the Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic with many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. 
Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. Quite the story, a story that we learn, no doubt, in early childhood, in children's church and that kind of thing. But we have Israel, Jacob, sending Joseph to check on his brothers who have taken their flocks and they've gone back up, back north, towards Shechem. Shechem is where uh, Simeon and Levi destroyed all the men of this city, and the city probably still lies in ruins from when they destroyed the men there. Jacob, he has not heard from his son. He does not know how the flocks are doing. And uh, he wants to uh, get word on what's going on, so he sends Joseph And he says, go and bring back word to me about the flocks and about your brothers. Joseph is out wandering in a field looking for his brother. And a stranger tells him, hey, your brothers are in Dothan. Now, Dothan, we have a Dothan, Alabama. I don't know of any other Dothans. But but Dothan means two wells. That's all it means. And Joseph's pit happens to be the name of one of the wells there. In Dothan, Joseph, he doesn't find his brothers there in Dothan. Uh, He does find, rather, his brother there. And they see him coming towards them from a far distance. Now, you can only see so far and recognize a man figure walking towards you. It's only a short walk from where Joseph is to his brothers. And... In that short walk, Joseph's brothers will plot and they will plan, they will conspire how they are to kill Joseph. They say, the dreamer is coming. Let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Reuben, he comes to Joseph's rescue. It's Reuben who says, do not kill him, just throw him into the pit. Well, (laughs) that's not a much better choice because if he's left in the pit, he will die. But Reuben has plans to return later to Joseph, pull him out of the pit, and take him back to his father, Jacob. However, the brothers, they've made quick plans. They've made these plans for Joseph in the distance it takes for him to walk to them. This can't be very Long. It's a short walk at best. Uh, as he approaches, they begin to put their plan into action. Here in America, there's a popular belief that goes on today. Is that, and that is that a man or a person can do an honorable and respectable job totally apart from his character. Secular thinking goes something like this. It doesn't matter what kind of person they are as long as they make good decisions and are trustworthy on the job. That thinking fails to see. It fails to understand that a person, what they are in private, what you are in your private life, will come forth in your public life. Many people, 
proclaimed that President Clinton was a good president. And they said that regardless of his sexual infidelity. But I'm here to tell you, God's word teaches what we are in private, we will be in public. The brothers of Joseph, they've made a quick decision that reveals their heart. They didn't have a lot of time to think about what they're going to do with Joseph. And they come to a quick decision that they're going to kill him. Proverbs 27 or 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, the love chapter. Love thinks no evil. His brothers didn't love him. You cannot think, you cannot dwell on evil without it manifesting itself in your life. It will come to pass. In Luke 6, 45, it says, A good man, out of the good treasures of his heart, brings forth good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. And here it is. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't separate that. That is God's word. God's word declares that the mouth will reveal what is in the heart, and it's only a matter of time. We will speak as to what we are. Just give us time. Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, the son of Leah, he sinned greatly by going into Bilhah, his dad's concubine, and he had sexual relationships with like his stepmother or uh, something like this. And it was a great sin in the eyes of Jacob and in the eyes of God. And now we have this same Reuben who has sinned so grievously. And he's trying to do what is right. And nobody will listen to him. How about that? Reuben knows what is right. He attempts to take a stand for righteousness. And he's trying to save the life of Joseph by negotiations. Verse 21 and 22. Let us not kill Joseph, but cast him into the pit. Reuben, he is thinking. I will come back later and pull him out and take him home to dad. But the story changes there. Reuben is either unable or unwilling to stand against his evil brothers. Joseph's future is being decided by his brothers in that few moments that it takes for Joseph to get to them. They see him from a distance, and he will be on them shortly, and they are deciding his future, his fate, as he approaches. We do not have, always have time to ponder, to think about the situation and what is right to do. We don't always have that luxury of thinking ahead and planning out our behavior. Reuben, he will react from his character. And he's trying to do what is best for Joseph, 
But the path that Reuben has chose, the way he wants to help Joseph, is to negotiate with his evil brothers. You ever try to reason with somebody that is evil? It's folly. I'll, I'll tell you ahead of time. It's folly. Uh, whenever we negotiate with evil, righteousness loses. You have to determine ahead of time. Each and every person has to determine ahead of time that regardless of what comes my way, I choose to be a man or woman of God. You can't always wait till the crisis is upon you. Men, we cannot decide to be faithful to our wives in the heat of temptation. You have to make that decision before temptation comes. And you know what I'm talking about, guys. You know what I'm saying. You can't decide when that temptation is there that I'm going to try to be a faithful man. You have to determine ahead of time. I like what Job said. He said, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not even look upon a young maiden. Job knew. Eve attempted to reason or negotiate with Satan in the garden. Eve ended up bringing down Adam. Adam brought down all of humanity trying to negotiate with Satan, trying to negotiate with evilness. We then have Joseph, and he arrives at the camp where his brothers are. They strip off his coat of colors, and they cast him into the pit. It isn't long before there's a caravan of Ishmaelites, and uh, this gives their brothers an opportunity to not only get rid of Joseph, but they can make a profit now doing it. They can sell Joseph into slavery. And they do sell Joseph into slavery for 20 pieces of silver, 30 pieces of silver was a going rate, but he's a young man, and so they sell him at a deal, 20 pieces of silver. Reuben returns to the pit, but there's no Joseph there. Reuben has no choice now but to go along with the scheme of his brothers and the brothers' plan, and they take and they're going to show Dad the coat that they have dipped in the lamb's blood. It's interesting, remove yourself from that, and it's interesting that Jacob deceived his father, Isaac, with what? A lamb's coat. Remember, he put the coat on his arms, and he let Isaac feel of the wool on his arms and say, yep, this is Esau, when indeed it was Jacob. And now Jacob will be deceived by a lamb again. The blood of a lamb will deceive him into thinking his son is dead. And if ever there was a what goes around comes around, it's here. For Joseph, uh, not Joseph, but Jacob is reaping the very thing he sowed literally. Jacob, he comes to the wrong conclusion. He assumes that his son Joseph is dead and he refuses to be comforted. Jacob will not be comforted by his sons, and we hear now that he has daughters, and he will not be comforted by his daughter. 
and he proclaims, I will go down to my grave in mourning for my son. The sons of Jacob not only allow this grieving of their father, they, they don't simply allow it. They are the cause. They are the reason their father is grieving. They are the ones that have brought it about. These sons have caused their dad to believe that Joseph has been torn to death by some wild beast. That is a natural assumption when they take the coat dipped in blood. Jacob, he is mourning, and he believes the worst about his son, and he believes it for years, 22 years, in fact. It's 22 years from the time that Joseph is cast into the pit before they realize that he is the second in charge in Egypt. And in that 22 years, that's a long time to mourn for a son, not one of these sons will come to their father and tell him the truth about the situation. They allow their father to mourn and suffer this grief. And that's the problem with sin. That's the problem with a lie. Once you start it, once you indulge into it, you're obligated to it. Later, when the brothers are confronted by Joseph, who's dressed up like an Egyptian in Egypt, the brothers, they have a confession to make. And they say, we are truly guilty concerning our brother. We saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us from the pit. While these brothers sat around and had their meal, Joseph in the pit is crying out for mercy, and they will show him no mercy. And now we read how they say we're guilty. For 22 years, these brothers have suffered a guilty conscience. That's a long time to suffer a guilty conscience. But look what this lie has brought about. The father Jacob suffers greatly. 22 years of thinking his son is dead. The brothers, as we just read about, they too are haunted by what they did to their own brother. And Joseph, the one sold into slavery, his life was not a life of ease. He went through all the things he went through because of their lie. And they have all suffered 22 years because of a lie. But you know, God in his goodness, he has plans for Joseph. You know, you can also say, but God. And that's such good words when we read it in scripture, but God. God doesn't let the evil plans of man prevail here. And God in his goodness has good plans for Joseph, even though he's been sold into slavery and sometimes I think it's good for us to understand God has good plans for each and every one of us. We need to understand that. We need to understand that God's thoughts are towards us. They're for us. He will lead us. He will guide us into good things, everlasting things. God gave us his only son that we should not perish 
but have everlasting life. That's part of God's plan for us. So here we are this morning. We can look at Joseph. We can look at all the unfair things that happened to him. But God brought about good from it. And God can look upon our lives. And we all have different regrets in our life. I know <laughs> if you knew me like I know me, you wouldn't be here. But anyway, you don't. <laughs> God in his goodness has plans for each and every one of our lives. And if we get nothing else from Joseph's life, let's get that. That God has good for us. And he wants to bring it about. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. I tried to be quick, <laughs> knowing we got a full morning. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for loving Joseph and loving his brothers and the whole family, Lord. And you brought about good from their, their whole situation. But Lord, let us stay away from sin. Let us don't conspire to sin. Let us determine ahead of time we will do what is right. We will be men and women of God, men and women of righteousness. So we thank you, Lord, for the great examples we have in Scripture. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that works in our hearts and lives to lead us to righteousness. Thank you for loving us, Lord, and be with us. And just be with us for the rest of this morning in our potluck and so forth, Lord. May we just be honoring to you. We pray and ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.